Hello and a warm welcome. I am Armin Trost, Professor for Organizational Behavior at the Furtwangen University in Germany and this is my course on Social Research Methods. So hello everybody. Uh, today we talk about uh, a final step, so to speak. And today we're going to talk about reporting and how you report your study. Maybe in a thesis, a bachelor thesis or a master thesis or in any kind of academic paper. And I have one here. Well, this is an article right, from the European Journal of Social Psychology. It's a peer-reviewed article and they look like this. You know, I mean, you are familiar with that. And when you look at those pieces, yeah, they look very often, very, I would say, very factual, right? Very boring. <laughs> and this is how it is supposed to be. And when you look at various papers, when you look at various theses, doctoral theses, master theses, bachelor theses, and you compare those, then you will find that there is a, a common structure, more or less, okay? I mean, there might be some variation, but... Uh, there is always a kind of structure. And, of course, every academic paper starts with a title, <laughs> right? And also your thesis has a title page. And you mention the authors. And, and then you have an uh, index, an overview of the content. Of course, this is how it starts. Not in an uh, academic article, but, but in your thesis, you have uh, an overview of the content. Uh, also indicating the pages and everything. So, and then you start with the introduction, right? And in a, in a thesis or in any kind of academic report, the introduction is there to outline what your thesis, your work is all about. And a, a core piece of that is the research question. What is the problem you want to solve, you want to address with your work? It's a kind of promise to the reader. It's a promise saying, look, if you... If you really make it to the end, if you, if you read that whole thing, then you're going to get an answer to this particular question. So it's kind of an implicit contract between you and the reader that you uh, outline there. So that's the core piece. Also, you might indicate why your research question is relevant. Yeah, why should you read that? Why, why have you... Uh, chosen this topic, uh, not for personal reason, of course, that does not matter. I mean, your personal motivation does not matter at all in that regard. But, but why is it important for the world to get an answer to this particular research question? And then what you also might do in the introduction is that you outline your work. You might say, okay, in the second chapter, after the first chapter introduction, in the first chapter the theory will be outlined with a strong focus on this and that. In the third uh, chapter, uh, own study will be presented, blah, blah, blah. So you, you give a little bit an outlook, right? Okay, but then starts the theory. And the theoretical part is there to outline all the theoretical uh, points, all the theoretical content which is necessary to understand your hypotheses. Why do you come to these hypotheses? What do we already know? 
so far? How does your work add to the already existing knowledge that we in the scientific community possess? So it's not about writing things that are somehow interesting. Interesting, it's not... No, you don't write things that are interesting. You, you only write things that are relevant. Things that are relevant towards your research question and towards your hypothesis. Right? So, 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 and, and here you outline, you describe everything needed to understand why you get to your hypothesis, uh, uh, to, to, to what you want to uh, uh, look at in, in your later uh, uh, research. This is why the theoretical part is there. And, and very often in, uh, in, uh, in academic paper, this is part of the introduction. So in this particular paper, which is just four pages long, that's why I've chosen it, <laughs> it's just one page. And this outlines all the necessary current knowledge uh, related to the research question. And then comes the method. Look here. Method. Right. Method. And in the method, what is the method part? You describe everything I need to know as a reader for two purposes. One purpose is that if I would like to replicate your study, I find here all the information necessary so that I could do the exact same study as you did. So you, you have no secrets about your method. You outline everything. And also, it's important that you describe your, your methods in detail so that I can criticize you, so that I might question the internal validity of what you have done, maybe. Yeah? So you open the door and you lay everything on the table. You're, as I said, you have no secrets. And primarily, you, you outline how you operationalize your independent variable, your dependent variable, what kind of data collection techniques do you use? Do you use a questionnaire? Do you do kind of content analysis? Okay, a content analysis, here's the coding scheme. Yeah, you, you might do a systematic observation. Okay, here's the, the structure. Well, so so you, you outline how you collect the data, exactly. And also you, you, you describe your, your research design. Everything is needed that is needed to understand the different experimental conditions, maybe uh, to really understand the research setting, This the entire scenario and everything. And also what you describe is your sample and your sampling technique. How do you get to your samples? Is it snowball sampling? Is it a simple random sample? Is it a quota sample? What, what is it? So once you have outlined everything, then you come to the results, right? And... Um, in the results part, you, you, you often have something like, in my classes I also always mention, I, I name it a killer, a killer craft or a killer article. So in this particular article, here is the killer table. It's a, just a single a table. And in this table, all the results are mentioned. And you just show the plain statistics. That's the first thing, okay? And once you have shown your, your statistical results, <coughs> sorry, then you discuss it, right? And that goes very often along results and discussion. So, and the main question here, of course, is uh, are you allowed to recheck the null hypothesis or not? Uh, 
how do your results go along with with your uh, theory, uh, with your hypothesis, with what you propose? So, so you compare, so to speak, the results with what you have assumed. Um, and also, what you do in the discussion is you criticize your own method. So, really, I mean, as a researcher, you're very, very modest. You, you, you criticize yourself, and you, 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 you even, even when, you, when you have all the reasons to reject the null hypothesis, you still might ask yourself loud, right, uh, why, why, why there might still be threats to your internal validity, maybe. To what extent you really can say that the independent variable is the causal reason for uh, uh, the variation in the dependent variable? Okay, so you criticize yourself, yeah. So and and then comes the conclusion. The conclusion is the final part of your thesis, and you 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 look at your thesis on hindsight, so to speak, right? So and and. The, the, the fundamental idea with the conclusion is that it's really a summary with everything already laying on the table. And if, you, if, you, if a reader, as you don't, when you don't want to read the entire piece, just read the conclusion. It's a summary on hindsight. And there is the fundamental rule that you would never bring in something new here. No new theory, no new explanation, no new idea. There's nothing new in the conclusion. Okay? And then... In the end, of course, there are the references. So all the sources you were referring to throughout your thesis, you, 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 uh, you list here so that I know uh, which resources and where I can find them and so, and so on. Okay? And then you might have in your thesis uh, an appendix. And in the appendix, you, you add your questionnaire, I mean, maybe your coding scheme, uh, maybe your raw data matrix, uh, along with an explanation of the structure of your raw data matrix. Um, so that's something for the appendix, something that the reader must not read, yeah? but you still deliver it in case that the reader wants to know all these things. Okay, and, and in the end, you might, you might add uh, contact details of the authors who were involved so that the reader could get in touch with the author in, in, in case of any questions or remarks or, or, or whatever. Okay, so, uh, I mean, in my life, in my academic career, I've supervised uh, many, 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 many theses, hundreds, maybe thousands, and let alone all the term papers and, and, and you know, and, you know, they are very often... Um, Things I find that especially freshmen do, uh, the junior students, and I would like to show you some do's and don'ts, okay? Some very practical do's and don'ts. So, for instance, you would never write something like, we have conducted an experiment. Why not? Because terms like we or I do not appear in an academic paper. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's, it's about the fact. It's about the truth. So that's why we would write, an experiment has been conducted. So you always write in the third person, as I will summarize in a, in a minute. Okay? Uh, you would never write something like, all descriptive statistics are shown here. Double point. Yeah, so. And then comes the graph or the table. No, you would not do this. You would rather write something like, 
All descriptive statistics are shown in figure 7. So you, you specifically refer in that particular moment to a specific table or to a specific graph. I mean, you could also write something like um, descriptive analysis, in brackets, see figure 7, show a blah, 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 blah. Okay, so the point here is that whenever you have a graph or a table, you should indicate at some point in your text when the reader is supposed to look at it, right? Okay. Next thing is, uh, I find that all too often is that when you have one um, sub-paragraph, yeah, then you also have another one. Right? So sometimes I see things like chapter two, and then you have the sub-paragraph uh, <coughs> 2.1 and if there is a 2.1 there also must be a 2.2 otherwise 2.1 is chapter 2 <laughs> so, okay um, so that's something and sometimes you know what happens when you when you when you do your own study and you report about it sometimes you have emotions of course you have, because you're a human being, and sometimes you're sad or disappointed about some results, if you very often are, um, but, but you never will show your emotions. Never. It's not about emotion. Uh, your, your amygdala is not relevant here, really. Um, it's not about emotion, it's purely about facts and the truth. And, and so you would never write something like, unfortunately, the results do not support the hypothesis. You know, unfortunately, you would never write, um, unfortunately, uh, to our disappointment, or luckily, uh, and we are happy to share that. <laughs> no, you're, it does not matter whether you're happy, disappointed, lucky, or, or sad, or whatever, because your emotions... I mean, your emotions have no place in the academic writing. Uh, your emotions have a place somewhere else. I don't want to talk about it here, but, but not in, uh, in your uh, academic uh, world. And also, you do not want to address the reader's amygdala or, uh, or uh, limbic system. <laughs> you want to address the prefrontal cortex of the reader, right? You want to make the reader think and not feel Right? So you share not your feelings, you share your facts. That's, that's the idea here. <clears throat> okay. Sometimes I find uh, crafts which are, look nice. But crafts in an academic paper don't have to look nice. So three-dimensional crafts. Why should you use three-dimensional crafts? No, you don't. Yeah. Because what you want to do is you reduce your graphs to the minimum, to the facts. Also, I mean, look at this table. Isn't it boring? Wow, it's extremely boring. It's, it's really, oh, yeah, it's, it's so reduced to, to the facts. And also the same applies with, with any kind of graphs, statistical graphs, bar charts, and so. And also, I mean, don't use pictures in your report. <clears throat> Pictures, you don't use pictures to make your report a little bit nicer or more entertaining. No, you don't do this. 
you only can add pictures, photos, photographs, for instance, when they are really relevant so that the reader can really understand what you were doing. So, for instance, I mean, <clears throat> when you do a, a study about visual cues or something, you, you, you better show the visual cues, of course, right? Um, if when, when, when Philip Zimbardo ran his Stanford prison experiment, of course he had to show how the setting looks like, looked like. Um, it was not only interesting, it was relevant for the reader. Uh, when um, Stanley Milgram reported about this Milgram experiment, he posted a photo, a photo of the learner in the report. It's good to know how that person looks like Uh, and also for the readers to see that this is a very nice person uh, who got really shocked, uh, shocks, and who was uh, 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 so it was. It's something that is not only interesting or nice or something. It's it's relevant. So you only post pictures when they are relevant regarding the method. Okay. So let me summarize some things. Of course, as I outlined, have a clear structure. You have a clear structure that follows scientific conventions, as I have outlined it. Always write in the third person. There, there, there might be a, an, an exception. For instance, the preface, when you also want to acknowledge some people, want to thank some people, you, you do it in the f first person, of course. But in the, in the core body of your work, you never mention I or we or something like, because it's not about you. It's about the facts and the truth, right? And you are never funny. You are never provoking. You're never entertaining. You're never emotional. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, like, I like text which is emotional. I, of course. And I also, I, I, I also write blogs. And when I write blogs, I'm, I'm very bold and I'm very... Provoking. I love to be provoking. I mean, those who know me know I, 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 I do hard hiding my emotions and, and my passion and my. Uh, and this has a place in, in some formats like blogs or so, but really not in an academ academic uh, uh, paper. Um, and then sometimes students try to write in a scientific style, you know, they want that it. It looks scientific, which makes a text complicated, hard to be read. What you should do instead is you write in a, as simple way as possible. Simplicity is key. Clarity is key. Don't care about whether what you write sounds scientific. Just be scientific. Just be to the facts. Be as clear as possible. Make sure that your sentences are short, not long. Long sentence does not make your text more scientific. Okay? I mean, really, I, in my life, I read so many theses, and sometimes I really, I don't want to see this. I don't want to read a sentence two times, three times, so that I can understand it. Make it understandable, simple, and clear. Uh, the things are complicated anyway, so, okay? When using figures, refer to the figures uh, and tell the reader when to look at uh, what uh, in a given position in your paper. All figures, of course, must have numbers, uh, headlines, uh, and so on. 
um, they must be relevant, not just entertaining. Yeah, uh, no, they that don't need to be entertaining at all. <laughs> uh, um, don't brighten up your paper with with pictures, figures, or whatever. They must be relevant. Uh, you need to use citation rules, and what whatever rule you take, be consistent. I don't want to tell you use this citation rule or this citation rule. Uh, just be consistent. Uh, depending on where you want to publish your paper, uh, you have to follow certain citation rules. But the, the the standard rule is that when you start using a citation rule in the beginning of your paper, you also have to stick to it throughout the rest of your paper. Yeah. Only use academic sources. I always tell my students, if you if you refer to a Wikipedia article, really, I, I, I gonna visit you at three o'clock in the night and then uh, something happens that we all don't want. <laughs> really, don't do this. Don't refer to Wikipedia. I mean, there are some sources that are somewhere in between. Harvard Business Review, hmm, yeah, maybe. Hmm, sometimes, yeah. What you should do is also also I mean when you when you look at the, the research the so-called research that was done by companies like McKinsey or so sorry this is not scientific what McKinsey is publishing is not scientific it's marketing really be aware of this and I would never cite any McKinsey report or Boston Consulting Group report or all these consulting firms in a, in an academic paper i would not do that i would be at least i would be very 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 careful these reports are not there to find the truth these reports are there to outline a problem for which they would like to sell the solution okay uh, it's something that you need to understand so be very careful with the sources you you um you're referring to okay um Quotations, sometimes quotations. I mean, be very careful with that. I mean, you, you might run into the danger of uh, plagiarism. Uh, you only use quite quotations uh, when it's really, really, really necessary. Okay? When you say, there is an original quotation, there's an original quote that is so brilliant, I have to cite it here Nobody, you, you, yeah, there's no way to put it better than with this quotation. Then you use it. Um, I mean, in some disciplines, like um, like like when you do research about the Bible or something like this, you have to quote the Bible. Maybe sometimes you 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 don't put it in your own words, of course, or, or let's say in in legal, you have to refer to to the law, and you don't. You don't quote law in your own words. You, you, okay. But in, in, in social science, there's rarely the necessity to, to, really, uh, to really mention an original uh, quote. So, in general, never copy and paste. Don't do this. Don't, don't, don't do this. That's plagiarism. Um, I will. I will outline in my in my next in my next um, episode when it comes to the psychology of writing a thesis. How you better do it? Uh, everything you write, you write in your own words, and you write it from your own understanding, and not and not with a book uh, beside you where you just 
translate it in your own words direct. No, don't do this. Write it from your own understanding in your own terms. That's essential. Okay? So, that's for the moment about reporting. And as I indicated, in the next and the last episode of this series, I will talk about the psychology of writing a thesis. So, thanks for listening and see you then.